Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. And so on today's episode of Improvement, we have another special guest. His name is Javon Wooden. He is an author, speaker, as well as a mindset and perception coach. Welcome to the show, Javon. Hey, thank you for having me, Kamani. Appreciate you sharing this platform with me. This is uh, amazing what you're doing. So thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And so uh, just for the people who aren't familiar with your work, could you give a little bit of um, a little bit more detail about your background and what you do? Sure. So background, um, I was a soldier for about 12 years in the military, in the army, specifically uh, in the reserves, deployed three times. Uh, and, you know, over that time, the course of that time, I realized that I had a gift, right? People would always tell me like, hey, you know, you should be a motivational speaker. You always get people moving. You're, you're able to get people believing in themselves. And I said, okay, that's great. But I don't know if I want to travel around speaking all the time, right? So I stumbled upon life coaching just upon the search um, where I said it, it should say it found me actually. Um, and I actually started Live Not Load, which is my mindset perception coaching company while I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2017. That's where the ideal came from. Um, I actually took a break from coaching and started back earlier this year because I had to go ahead and get my own mindset and perception back right um, after that deployment. And we can get into that a little more um, as we go through this conversation. Okay. And it's good that you're able to realize that it's definitely important to know that even though you might be teaching this stuff, you can be um, susceptible to having lapses in it too. You know, it takes maturity to be able to uh, take that step away and to reflect and think about what your mental health needs are or whatever else is going on before you can go and serve others. And so I, I respect that. And so it's, it's interesting that, how, uh, how like you went from a line of work, which I guess what, people wouldn't really make a connection between that and life coaching, like what you do, but somehow you kind of moved over into that area. Could you give me a little bit more information about that and how you kind of segued into that? Sure. Sure. So by trade, um, I'm actually a cybersecurity expert. Right by trade, I still actually do that to this day. Right, um, so coaching, I do two things full time. Uh, but how I got into coaching from doing like IT and military and all that stuff was just when I work with my soldiers. Right, I've seen the benefit of speaking to them, speaking positivity into them. Of instead of you know downgrading them, and you hear about drill sergeant mentality and all that other stuff in the military where you're belittling, berating. You know they say build you down to bring you up and all that stuff. I didn't believe in that. Right. I always believe that the best way to get people performing top performance is showing your belief and providing support Right, finding their skills and then honing those skills. Right. Instead of having to focus on their weaknesses where they're going to start losing confidence, they're going to have that self-doubt. Um, I focused on building their strengths and finding out, OK, you're good at this. Let's put you here and then you can cross train and learn the other skills later right, to get people comfortable. So that's where the whole mindset thing really spoke to me from outside of me having to learn it myself over the course of my whole life right right okay okay so that makes sense so pretty much where it seems like it came from is you saw a lack in, in the leadership that was above you or around you and you saw that, that there wasn't that there was something missing in it that they weren't offering something that was vital to what the soldiers including yourself needed to be motivated to do their best and so seeing that lack is what inspired you to kind of do something that was related to that while you're in the military, uh, coaching up your peers, but then also getting into coaching after that, because you saw the importance of how it could uh, affect somebody's psyche and whatnot. Yeah. Am I understanding right. that correctly? That's, that's spot on, Kamani. That was like, well said, brother. Okay, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I could have said it better. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to, you know, summarize to make sure that I'm understanding and make sure that, uh, that I can go, you know, on the right track as we move forward. And, you know, it's interesting that you said it actually. And so I wasn't in the actual military, but I kind of can relate to what you're saying. So I went to Texas A&M. And so it's a, uh, it's a senior military college. They have a, a core cadets program there. And so uh, during my time in that, uh, I can definitely relate to what you were talking about because uh, there were plenty of leaders that were lacking in some of those areas, like what you talked about when it came to providing strong motivation, as opposed to, I would say, coercion which is right. telling somebody do this or else there were, mm -hmm. there were like a select few, uh, I guess a select few number of leaders that I came across that, you know, were over me and over other people. 
where I could look at them and I could say, wow, this guy really has the formula down for what makes a leader a leader. And, you know, some of those people, you know, I, I still see them on Facebook wherever to this day. And I just have that respect for them knowing that they were able to take the leadership development opportunities that we had in the organization seriously to where they could get to that level. And so I, I can right. definitely agree with you that, you know, having those skills is extremely valuable. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and I, you know, I learned that early on, man, because, you know, a lot of people lead with authority uh, and they always say like in the military, they say respect the rank. Uh, and I was I never was a firm believer in that, because when you lead with the rank and you're leading by fear, right, people aren't really holding on to your words. They're only doing it because they're afraid of the consequences. Right. You know, that's not motivating. Right. That's actually demotivating. So I always wanted people to want to do it because they said, hey, you know, I know Javon would be there by my side. He's going to do the work for me. He's not going to tell me to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Right. He's going to help me show me I can come to him and say, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And I can feel comfortable enough to share that or I don't feel confident, right? That's how I always wanted uh, my soldiers to feel and that's how I want my clients to feel, that they can share anything. They can be vulnerable with me. And my whole platform is vulnerability and strength. Well, people are only going to want to be vulnerable with you if they don't feel judged, right? They don't feel guilty about not knowing, right? These are the things that they need to feel. They need to feel secure. They need to feel safe. Uh, so I always tell my clients like when we start a session, this is your safe space, right? Talk to me about anything. There's no judgment here. Um, and I did the same thing in the military. And I do it in my, you know, in cybersecurity field. When I, when I have subordinates, I always let them know, like, you don't have to worry about not knowing. That's why you're here. You're here to learn. No one knows everything. I definitely don't know everything, <laughs> right? So who am I to judge you, right? I am here to help you build into the person you want to be and help you achieve your definition of success. Yeah, that's great. And that's the way that it should be. Because on the other end of things, whenever people use coercion and uh, rank as the main way to get people to do what they need to do, it's really lazy, I would say. It takes no type great. of uh, self-reflection or awareness or any type of development on that person's part uh, or really any skill to do something like that, to go on the other end of, of the spectrum, like what you talk about, where you give them that, that avenue to where they can express that vulnerability that helps you to where you can end up getting the best results possible because you're getting the best, most authentic, raw answers and feedback from your people. You're actually getting the truth. One thing I'll say from my experience is that the ones that lay with coercion and the ones that didn't want to, that I guess didn't give you the opportunity to be vulnerable as far as telling them what you do and don't know, it was easy really just to hide it from them and, and pretend like you were competent in whatever area it was. And then if you right. had, if you were able to be a sure way through it, okay, great. They'll, they'll never find <laughs> out. But, you know, after the fact, if you did mess up, then it was just even worse because and now you're in a whole different boat and you as far as problems, but uh, yeah, right. I, I can definitely right. see what you're saying. <laughs> right, man. We see it all the time, right? It's like, man, I can't tell, you know, I, I, I messed up. I'm not even going to tell anyone I did that, you know, like, Hey, they'll find out later when I'm gone, you know, stuff like that. So instead of, you know, it, I realized, coming up that it's better when you allow people to be honest with you than to show that they can't right so if someone comes to me and they tell me they screwed up I would rather that I would rather you come and then we talk it out we nip it in the bud before it grows into a larger issue as you said uh, because I've seen that so many times like you know when I was deployed I, I can think of an example when I was in Kuwait one time you know one of the soldiers we had we were out in the field and one of the soldiers forgot to put gas in the generator, which powered the satellites, which allowed us to communicate. And we were with uh, what you call the Combat Aviation Brigade. So they were the helicopters, all that, that rained down hell on the, the enemies, right? So uh, as you know, the communication is very important. So instead of yelling and barking at the soldier who forgot, we were able to implement solutions. Um, I love this thing called extreme ownership by Jocko Willing. He always talks about extreme ownership. I have to look at as their leader, what was my part in, in making that error, right? They sure they could have put the gas, they didn't put the gas in it, but that means some processes that I've implemented were faulty. So that gave me an opportunity to grow as well. So I think more people need to look at it as such. When someone comes to you with an issue, especially as a leader, you say, all right, how can we be better together? Right? This is a learning opportunity. We should do an after action report and then implement whatever lessons learned to the next time so it doesn't happen again. 
So not only do they grow, but I grow, and now we're better together. I, I think that's a good way to look at it, and here's why. Because for one, if you take that mode of, oh, it's not my fault, you know, we can blame it on them, that doesn't change the fact that things still didn't get done. And at right. the end of the day, if you're the leader of the group, even though you may not have been responsible for that specific um, part of the process, putting the gas in the generator, at the end of the day, due to the fact that you're the leader, you're still held accountable. And so I think right. that's a good mindset to get into to where you say, instead of me pointing the finger to take blame away from myself, you're looking at the fact, okay, at the end of the day, we didn't get the result we want. What can I do as a leader next time, since I'm accountable for the whole thing to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. And I think that's the mark of someone that's a, a good leader, somebody that can take a look at the situation. And despite whether or not, you know, even I'm, I'm sure you did everything you were supposed to do. You probably went and did your, your checkpoints and all that. You probably relayed all the information down the chain of command. But at the end of the day, if somebody has a lapse, somebody has a lapse. But I think that's right. definitely a good thing to do. And another thing that I had a question about is, do you have kids? No kids, man. Not yet. God hasn't blessed me with any yet. Okay. Because one of the things I was going to ask if you did have kids is uh, if that, I guess those leadership skills or the way that you go about uh, being a leader had kind of translated into that. But I guess that's besides the point then. Well, not really, because I do have like my nieces and, and uh, my nephews and, I, you know, they're not my kids, but I still want to uh, instill in them the same principles, right? So it kind of goes into that. You know, they're youth. I have one nephew, he's actually with me now. He's visiting me for, for the summer. Uh, and I always, you know, now's the time. He's 15 years old. I try to teach those same things. Like, he's very honest. I want him to keep that. He's very accountable, right? He always says, hey, my bad. And those are the things that I want to instill because as kids, you know, you're curious, right? And I want my, I want everyone to maintain that. So my nieces, my nephews, when they mess up, if they break something, they're running around and something falls, I don't want to yell at them. I want to say, okay, how can this be a teaching moment? And I tell them like, you know, what happened? Make sure they stay honest, be honest, right? I want them to feel like they can come to me, as I said, with my soldiers, right? I always say, okay, that's okay. Clean it up. Make sure we fix the mess first. And now we can come up with a solution, right? Solution may be don't run in the house, right? So that's what we learn. And I think that too often, you know, people are quick to yell at, you know, kids, youth, or tell them to like, kill their curiosity, kill the, that joy that being a kid brings because it's an inconvenience, right? So I think we should all learn patience and kind of learn from those kids, right? Because a lot of us, as we get older, we lose that curiosity because we're afraid, right? That fear stops us from wanting to think outside the box, from wanting to be free and run around metaphorically, right? Run around in our minds and just try things. Like we don't want to do that. We start to play it safe. So that's why as a youth, I make sure that they keep that because I want them to grow up and still have that same curiosity and that same free mind. I respect that. You know, even though they're not your kids, you've taken that role to try and be pivotal in their development. That's something I respect a lot. And uh, something else that kind of comes to mind from this is, you know, we talked about, you know, the effects of leadership on kids and such. And so just kind of reflecting on your upbringing and growing up, what are some of the things or I guess lack of leadership abilities that you may have seen, like from the people mm. that were around you that affected you growing up and that you might have uh, either been able to work from or had to work against? Sure. Um, I mean, a lot, lot to work against because, you know, when you grow up without your father as a young man, it's tough because you don't really have anyone teaching you how to become that man. Um, especially, you know, growing up poor, you don't really have the, the ability to go to all these schools and private school and all this stuff and have mentors and all these other things. So as a youth, I found that I learned, I don't even, you know, I can't even point to one person and be like, hey, they taught me how to be a man. But I think I just learned from how I wanted my sisters and my mom to be treated, right? That's what it, that's where I learned that from. Um, the, the obstacles were, my mom always had to work, right? So when we, me and my sister, my, my oldest sister, I always shout her out because she pretty much raised me, even though she was only three years older than me. You know, when we were younger, we would get home and we had to call my mother like, hey, mom, what's there to eat? And my mom would remember like, hey, go into this, this cabinet and get this, get that. But my sister would cook. You know, my sister, even when I was a baby, she would change my diapers and all that stuff. And I think that if it wasn't for her showing me that love, you know, I would have never known what love was uh, because I didn't really feel it right in the household. Um, I grew up actually in a polygamous household, right? My mom was um, 
the second wife, right? And then he had another wife. Um, so he had two families. So that was difficult. Seeing that and trying to depict what that meant for me as a man, right? Is this what it means to how I'm supposed to treat women? Um, is it okay to have multiple women? Uh, is it okay to just, you know, have my wife serve me in a room when I come home and just go up in my room and stay there, right? I didn't really learn anything from him when it came to being a man. I can't say that I did, honestly. Um, so I went out to the streets, right, and found people who maybe they had parents. You know, they was my homeboys, right? So I would go over to their house, stay over there. Um, I would go to my aunt's house, even though my cousin James, I would look up to him, so I would go there. And I had an older brother. And my older brother, up until maybe I was about seven, we were real close. And then something changed in an instant, mentally. I don't know what changed in him, but we lost that connection. So it, it always felt like, um, you know, I would lose the people who meant something to me in my life. And I had to, I had to get over that. Right? So these are some of the challenges I experienced. And as you know, when you come up, you know, in poverty and all these other things, the other obstacle that everyone faces is opportunities. You don't see that you have other opportunities outside of what's readily available, the drugs, the, the hustling, the gangbang, all those other things. That's readily available, but it's detrimental. But you don't know that coming up as a kid. So I went out, you know, I was arrested at 17, faced seven years in prison because of that, because I didn't see any other option. And I didn't even care about myself, right? I didn't care enough about myself until I got locked up and had to see my mom and my sister come visit me, right? Seeing the pain in their face. That's the only thing that saved me was God said, this is your warning. You know, this is your warning. All the things you said, you didn't know I'm teaching you in this moment. <laughs> you taught me in that moment through jail, being behind those bars, not having control of my destiny because, you know, the courts had me, right? I was in the system now. I didn't have any control. And that's why I came up with that control your mindset, control your destiny. Because I knew what it felt like to be helpless. To say, hey, I'm in the system now. You know, I'm about to get sent upstate seven years, 17 years old. I'm going with the big dogs now, right? I'm with grown men now. That's what's going to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen to me, right? So I had to take all those lessons learned by God, God's grace. I got out after about a month, you know, only because the, the victims didn't show and they didn't continue to press the charges. That's the only thing that got me off. Um, and that, from that point on, I said, hey, I'm going to be a servant of God, right? I'm no longer going to be that kid that didn't have a care in the world because I felt that I didn't have anything to offer the world. Um, so that was a long way to say <laughs> those are some of the things I learned you know, just coming up. I know I got you. It all makes sense. And, and I appreciate you sharing that story. You know, some of the things kind of stuck out to me from you telling it. And I just have some questions about that and relating sure. it back to that topic of leadership, right? What would you say, I guess, as far as the, the people that you had around you, mm -hmm. what elements of leadership would you say you were lacking that led to you eventually getting into that point? Because one of the things that you said that caught my, uh, that caught my attention, mm -hmm. I think it was something to the effect of like not seeing like the self-worth or like the, the value in yourself or something right. like that. And it, and it led right. you to making some of these bad decisions. And we could touch on that a little bit because I feel like a lot of the guys that come from a similar background could probably relate to that, but it just isn't something that they maybe put their finger on yet. Right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, and I think uh, some of the things that were lacking was compassion. Compassion was one of the biggest things that lacked, you know, empathy really was lacking uh, because, you know, no one, you know, coming up, a lot of people aren't taught that themselves. So how can they show it? They don't know how to display it. Right. I had a teacher tell me, you know, in high school, he said, you know, you look like you belong on a street corner somewhere. I didn't expect you to be so smart. You know, that's a lack of a serious lack of empathy and compassion because you don't know my story, right? I'm sitting here trying, I'm in school trying to make some of myself and to hear that, you know, that could have derailed me completely. You don't know. But luckily I took it as like, you know, yeah, I can do both. You know, at the time I was like, yeah, I can do both. I can do everything, right? I don't have to be confined in the box. And that was always my mentality. I can do what I want because I, you know, I can, I can make it happen just because I work hard. I'm a hustle mentality. I have you know, the mind. At that time, I didn't know what that meant, right? It meant bad things at that time, right? But now that I'm older, right, those same things that were lacking, the compassion and empathy are huge focal points for me, right? Those are the things I focus on in everything I do, right? I make it uh, an intentional point every day to say, 
I'm going to do something for someone else and expect nothing back. Right. I'm going to do something for someone else to give and add value because I think that that is my purpose now. Um, and, and that was shown because somehow I got here. Somehow I'm talking to you right through everything. Somehow without the compassion and empathy as a young youth, you know, I was able to get here and be here today. That's blessings. <laughs> you know, so I got to pay that for it. All right. All right. And so something that I guess, how do I word this? What it really makes me think about is that that type of uh, stuff that you're talking about, where like people are lacking the, uh, the empathy or, you know, those skills to be able to relate to other people and, mm-hmm. and to, um, and really just to be, I guess, a, a light in somebody's life or like a, a positive example, like in a way, somebody that can help build esteem. It seems like a lot of people lack those skills, especially in poverty, I feel like, because right. it seems like a lot of them come from that, from like a, a scarcity mindset, I guess right. you can say. Like when you're living yes. a life of scarcity, it's kind of hard to be the type of person that can, I guess, come outside of yourself and provide for others really in any way. Because when you're living a life of scarcity, you're so wrapped up in yourself and what you have going on and what your needs are that it's rare that a lot of people look at others and say, how can I help them? And so right. I feel like that kind of relates to what you're talking about with not receiving the empathy and such from the people around you, because mm-hmm. whenever people are coming from that place of lack, they're not even considering or thinking about, you know, uh, what, you know, how, how is this affecting Javon's confidence in himself, how he feels about himself, you know, the environment that he's in right now. They're just worried about, right. okay, put, putting some food on the table or something like that. Right, a hundred percent, hundred. And you hit it right in the head. You know that that scarcity mindset. You know when you think success is finite, you, you like you said, you're not worried about someone else getting success because you don't want them taking a piece of your pie, right? So a lot of times they don't want to show you the skills that they know. They don't want to share the information of how they got there. Uh, they don't want to be like, hey, let me take this person under my wing without wanting something from them. You know, that that whole mentorship concept, that that didn't exist unless it was, uh, you know, you were trying to be on a block and they tried to make you, a, you know, do some work for them. Right. So that whole mentorship thing didn't I really didn't hear that until I was an adult. <laughs> I really never knew what that meant. Um, so those are the things that uh, really play a big point in why, you know, it's hard to get out of those situations. You know, why it's hard to to grow. You know, you talk about the growth mindset, why it's hard to get that growth mindset, because if you've never seen it, you don't even really know what it is. Right. You don't know what it feels like. You don't know how to get it, how to obtain it. And you probably even if you've seen it or heard it, you think it's bull. Right. You're like, ah, that doesn't work. Right. That sounds like some some stuff. I'm just heard the same thing. You know, that's the mentality you hear. Right. So instead of in wanting to invest in yourself, you feel better just staying in that comfort zone. Uh, So. I always tell people like, do something each day to be uncomfortable because that's the only way you're gonna grow. If you don't have a growth mindset now, if you don't do something that's uncomfortable, you keep being content and all you're doing is complaining, you'll stay right there. Matter of fact, you're probably gonna regress because eventually you're gonna get tired of being the same. And if you don't have the mentality to move forward, where do you go? You retreat. That's it. When I was first talking about the, you know, the scarcity mindset and like people uh, choosing whether or not to serve others. At first I was really thinking about on like the emotional level, but when you brought the success portion of it, that makes sense too. And I agree with everything that you said, like at first, when I was talking about it, um, I was more so going along the lines of like, I remember how you talked about the self-worth and everything and how uh, it might be hard for the people around you to help provide that, that nurturing that kids need, in that type mm-hmm. of way, in the emotional way, but then you also brought the success portion of it as far as like, you know, um, opportunities and things. And that's a good for point sure. too, because yeah, especially if you haven't seen a lot of examples around you for uh, what success is or how to get there, uh, like you said, you might think it's a finite thing, a zero sum game where you have to have people who have it and people who are, who are have nots. And so as a result, oh. people that are coming up in those environments may not uh, reach out to others to try and help them. So I think that was a, a good point as well. Right. You're just yeah, all of it and, overall. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, man, the, to tie it all together, like like you said, the, it's, a, it's a whole thing. It's holistic. 
Like if you have that that scarcity mindset, it bleeds into every aspect of your life, right? There's not one thing you're going to do in a growth level. Not one thing, because you're not your higher self yet, right? Because you're always thinking that this is going to be taken away from me, right? I have to hoard it. I have to hold on to it, right? Or you have the opposite. If you have money, right? You're like, oh man, it's burning a hole in my pocket. You hear that saying a lot, right? I got to do something with it. I got to blow it, right? This ain't meant for me. No, and that's that's how we stay down, right? That's how you stay down because of that. And you don't look to get the information to change that. Um, emotionally, it's, you know, it's, that's probably the worst because when you're emotionally scarce, you can't understand love. You can't understand when someone's actually genuinely trying to help you. So everything is suspect to you, right? Everyone that comes to you, like, what's their agenda? And the agenda may be just like, hey, they seen something in you. I was like that when I was young, right? I thought I was like this monster, right? Like, I, you know, I come out here, I do what I got to do, but I don't want to deal with no one. I'm pushing everyone away. And that's what happens when you're in that scarcity mindset emotionally. Right? You just push everyone away. You actually sabotage your relationship. You might do it subconsciously, but like, you like, oh, this person's too good. I can't, nah, you know. Or I'm just going to make them, I'm going to hurt them. If, if something does happen, you want to hurt that person back, right? Stuff like that. So you never really get to experience love because you don't, you can't love yourself enough to invest in growing. It's a tough way to live. And you could even say that in some cases, people might feel like they almost don't deserve the treatment that they might be getting from somebody, which is why they think that it, it has to be fake. It's like, they think that they, mm. there's nothing about them that makes them worthy enough to have somebody actually paying attention to them or seeing potential in them. And it's really, it's really so sad. And it's, you know, it's the saddest thing to go through life like that, thinking pretty much looking over your shoulder, being um, skeptical about everybody, just because your self-worth is so low that you don't think it's possible for somebody to see something in you or to, to love you or to genuinely care about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you preaching today, brother. You preaching today, <laughs> man. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, because the thing is, you know, to a degree, you know, I, I can relate to it. Yeah, maybe not necessarily from um, like people like in, in my neighborhood around me, because I didn't grow up like in the hood. We didn't have a lot of money. We were like maybe uh, I would say like lower middle class or, or something mm -hmm. like that. And so we were doing well enough. But uh, that doesn't mean that some of those same, I guess, uh, you know, personality traits and things can't still be prevalent, like with, within your family, even though right. people may not be poor. And so I can kind of relate in a similar way to where even with family, you're kind of uh, worried or wondering, you know, whether or not somebody has your best interests in mind and you have to uh, kind of look out for yourself in a way. And so right. I, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's 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 the thing we see constantly, and when you don't even realize it, uh, it's. I mean, if you don't realize it, how can you do anything about it? Uh, if that's all that you've known, you're gonna think that's fine. And I just, it kind of spoke to it early, like how did I know what love was when I was talking about? It's the same thing with this, right? That scarcity mentality. You don't know anything's wrong until it's called out or you have an epiphany somehow. The only reason why I, I'm able to talk to you today about it is because I was curious, right? That, that childhood curiosity kicked in. I was like, yeah, how come Jay-Z, you know, he came from a similar type of environment. Why, is he, why am I seeing him on TV, right? What did he do differently? Nas, what, what are they doing? The same people I was listening to, I'm like, what, what did they do differently? Where I'm here and they're right there. You know, so I started doing the research. Like, how can I get there? I don't want to be a rapper. Like, oh, I had my little time where I wanted to be a rapper. I ain't gonna. <laughs> but that, what I'm saying is, like, that was it's possible. Like, we have information in our hands. We are in the best stage of existence to change things if we really want to. We can literally Google something. Say, how did that happen? You know, Google, right? We can literally have, go to a library and there's a plethora of books on the same subject we're curious about. So there's opportunity here and you can create opportunities. So in order to get out of the scarcity mindset, that's probably what you're going to have to do, right? In order to say, I don't like where I'm at, 
I'm going to change it. You have to be willing to put in the work and create the opportunities, right? I had to say to myself, like, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of like doing things, you know, the, the negative way where I got to look over my shoulder. I want to do things legit. And I also want to bring my peoples with me, right? I want to bring my best friend with me. I want to bring my family with me. I don't want to just, that's my definition of success, right? For everyone around me to be successful and to not have to worry anymore. To generationally say, hey, my nieces and nephews don't have to worry about where the money is going to come from if they choose to start a business, start a trade, or go to college. So you have to understand first your why. Why are you trying to change? And then find out how, right? How can I get out of this scarcity mentality? How can I get out of the emotional state where I don't trust people and I don't even love myself? You know, why and how are going to be the two most powerful questions. And then you can go to what? What do I want? What do I get out of it? What does success look like? All those things. But start with the why and the how first. I'll tell you the, um, the way it happened for me was really just changing my environment. And it wasn't yeah. even like something that I did consciously because in yeah. a way I didn't even realize what my issue was in life until I started to move away from it because it was really all I knew. I thought that's yeah. how, how life was. I didn't realize how dysfunctional the mindset that I had was or the, how dysfunctional the people were around me until I had to spend time around people who were more on the normal end of the spectrum every day. And that was when I went off to school. And so mm. I, I was watched a video about this. I forgot what the concept is called. That was like the overarching thing for it. But you know how they say a saying where like a bad apple spoils the whole bunch, but they yep. have another saying where it's a bad barrel spoils all the apples in the bunch, meaning like whatever environment wow. all the apples are in can spoil them. And so I like I, that. I like yes, that. I never heard that one. Yeah, that was the first time I heard it too. And so the thing is, the barrel that I was in changed in a way before the environment that I was in. It, I guess you kind of say that it was to the point where to survive with hurt, dysfunctional people, you kind of had to pick up hurt, dysfunctional tendencies as defense mechanisms in a way uh, to be able to maneuver and, and navigate and get yours in that type of environment. Right. But the thing is, I take mm -hmm. on these the same, you know, toxic mindset. And I go to a, a clean, healthy barrel, which was college. You know, I'm around people in different organizations that have healthy family dynamics, that have healthy friendships. And they're looking at me and the stuff I'm doing, like, like what's wrong with this guy? And so that was the first time something like that had, had ever happened. And so that's when I really had to start mm. doing some self-reflection. That was also around the time when I really started doing personal development where, you know, someone, people that I come across had recommended books and that was really when I started to kind of see just how much like my mindset and my environment had been holding me back in my development, who I was as, as a man. And so yeah. that was really the main change. And it, I would say it even got to the point to where, you know, I started to become a good apple in a way. And the changes in me drove away a lot of those bad apples from my past to where they didn't want to be involved with me anymore. And it's just mm -hmm. kind of, it's just kind of crazy to think about reflecting back on it and using that analogy. But uh, that's just kind of something I wanted to throw into it because I felt like it was relevant to, to what you were saying. Oh, a hundred percent, man. And thank you for that, sharing that, uh, that quote, that analogy, because I had never heard that. And that is so true, right? You always hear product of my environment, right? But you can change that. You don't have to be a product of your environment. You could be a product of your efforts, Right. And that's what you did. You said, I'm not going to be a product of my environment. I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to learn things that I can change because I knew something was wrong. Right. Right. I knew something. But you had you had to be honest with yourself to say that. Like, yo, I don't you know, something's not right. You know, this isn't what what I was looking for. This is what I want. Right? You have to be honest with yourself. And a lot of people don't want to be because the truth hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially people, when you're true for what yourself. <laughs> yeah. People don't want to acknowledge it what they do might be wrong or like stuff ways that they operate might be bad. Yeah. And I had to yes. look at myself and say, these are bad things that, that you used to partake in what you used to do, you know, as far right. as like how you uh, navigated socially, you had a bunch of antisocial tendencies that won't serve you well in the long run. I had to, I guess, mm -hmm. get rid of my ego and, and look at myself and see what the, what the wrong was, what the bad stuff was. And I had to, um, 
make a make a choice really you really only have a few options in that type of uh situation when you're in your environment you know the environment is bad you either a play the game because as long as you're in it that's the only way you can you can survive two don't play the game but stay in the environment and get eaten alive Mm because that's that's what's going to happen if you don't adapt to the rules of the game that you're in there is it's gonna it's gonna tear you apart all the other players that are experts in that game are going to tear you apart or option three, which is to leave and join a new game. And that was, right. that was what I had to do. But to do that, you have to see what the differences were uh, between that one and the old one that you're in and make the changes. Right. And I have to say, man, all of your listeners, I'm sure they listen to you and they would be like, wow, you know, like the changes you made that option three, they look at you today and they're going to be like, man, I need to do that. You know? I'm sure you've motivated a lot of people to make that change because the the man I'm I'm speaking to now is polished. Right? You are <laughs> like you you exude. That's why I was excited to do this. I'm like, man, this this young man is like, you know, you exude confidence. You exude like passion for what you're doing, right? And you're a professional, right? So like all those things to say you came from that and you took it upon yourself to say, I'm moving. You know, I know I know something's not right. And I'm going to acknowledge my toxicity, right? I'm going to acknowledge the things I need to work on. And I'm going to acknowledge my part in what I play, you know? And then you said, I'm taking that accountability and I'm putting it into action. I'm not just going to talk about it because a lot of people say, oh, you know, they'll admit they were wrong, but then they don't change, right? The change is really hard. And there's like, there's six steps to change, right? And really the, the first step, is pre-contemplation where you don't really you're resistant to change and that's where a lot of people stay and that's where we hear uh that's just the way i am because they're resistant to change and those are the people that you're probably wasting your breath with if you try to give them information to help them change you know so someone like you you're willing to change and that's one of the things that a lot of people have to learn right being willing to change right not being stuck in your way like you said getting rid of that ego because you you're not going to grow, you know, first I'm going to say this change is hard, but being the same is harder, right? Because the world around you and the people around you are constantly in a state of metamorphosis. So if you're struggling and you're resisting against that and you're staying the same and that's what you're doing, you're really regressing. You're really going backwards, right? Because everything else is moving forward and you're doing this, right? So you're getting past, you know, Jay-Z said, start off fast, wheezing in the back. That's what you're doing right? You're staying the same and that's painful. So you might as well go ahead and identify which way you want to change because you can change in a negative or you can change and move forward. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I I hope that you're right, that uh, the stuff that I'm doing is inspiring people to make change in their life. And plus I would think that this type of content that we make, this personal development type content, you know, just further enforces that change is actually possible. Because like you said, for a lot of those people, they don't, they aren't able to acknowledge the fact that it is possible to change. And honestly, that could just be them taking as a default because it's easier, uh, I guess, mentally, because to acknowledge the change is possible. You have to acknowledge that there's something wrong in what you're doing. And like you said, a lot of people don't want to do that, you know, especially in those environments that we talk about where someone's coming up in poverty uh, think about how it makes somebody feel to know, Hey, and the reason why you're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and still in poverty is all because there were decisions that you could have made that you didn't make as opposed to, Oh, someone else is holding you in this, or, you know, life is unfair. And that's why you have to remain poor. It's a lot easier to say, Oh, it's some other circumstances leading to me being here. Not my choices at the end of the day. And people will rather hold on to that and live miserably because it protects that ego. Mm. Man, you are saying a word, brother. <laughs> like I mean, that is I, powerful. that's powerful. That I, is I study, so true. you know, I study this yeah. stuff, you know, it's, it's important to me. And so, you know, if, if I'm going to come on here and take that responsibility of having a platform, I at least need to make sure to a degree that, that I know what I'm talking about. I'll say to a degree, I know what I'm talking about. Right. So right. that's, that's important yeah. stuff. No, it's really important because like, that, that's that accountability, man. You know, as long as someone else's issue, as long as someone else caused it, it's fine that I'm, I'm in this position. Like, how is that logical, right? How is that logical? Like, as human beings, we like to believe that we're rational, 
Mm-hmm. But in order to become rational, you actually have to train yourself for rationality because we are typically irrational, right? Our thinking goes from emotion to action, right? There's really no thought. It's just automatic because the the, the mind is, is trained to try to analyze everything that's happening in, in, in milliseconds, probably faster than that, right? So sometimes we short circuit and we make the wrong choice. But if you take time to say, all right, this is on me, and then you take time and Take the emotion like, oh, man, I, I don't like to hear, you know, this is terrible. That emotion. And you say, OK, let me see how I can do it. That thought needs to go in there before you take action or inaction. Right. And a lot of people miss that thought process. A lot of people just have the emotion and then they go like, oh, man, you know, this sucks. <laughs> OK, <laughs> what are you doing about it? Are right, you just right. sitting there, you know, sitting back complaining because someone else, because they said it was someone else that caused it. Right. Oh, you know, someone needs to come help us. Someone needs to speak up. Well, what, what about you? You know, what, when do you say, all right, what's my part that I play in this? It goes back to that extreme ownership thing I was thinking. Like, yes, it's possible that you're in a situation that is caused because of things you cannot control. But what about the parts you can control? You can control a couple of things. You can, you can control your mindset. You can control your emotions. And you can control your effort. Right? Sure, we can't control the outcomes all the time, right? The outcome is, is not necessarily in our hands, but you don't focus on the outcomes. You focus on the effort you're putting into it each day. And I guarantee you, you're gonna be better for it, right? Because even if you fail, you're succeeding because you're taking action. And a lot of us are afraid of failure and that's ingrained in us. Failure is bad. You know, you get that F on your paper, everyone's laughing. But failure is not bad. Failure is a part of success. It's actually better to say, yes, I've tried a hundred times and I failed a hundred times, but I'm going to try 101 than to say, man, I thought about this. This would have been a good idea. And now I'm laying on my deathbed and I regret it because I never tried. <laughs> Which one would you rather do? Right. And you have to think about that when you're sitting on an idea, when you're saying like, oh, I want to try them. Go for it. Don't be afraid to fail. Success is insulated by failure. You know, there's a there's a saying that that just reminded me of when you were when you were talking about that, and it was kind of a response that somebody gave to to someone that was making fun of this guy because he had failed or because mm-hmm. he he lost or whatever it was he was doing. But mm-hmm. he looks at the person he says lost. What I lost, you never had. And mm. I, I kind of thought about that, and I was thinking, you know, he he makes a good point. Uh, the freedom, I guess, that, that he gained of being able to do whatever it was he did, you know, being able to get out of his head and actually go out there and try it. Uh, that's that's the win right there, really. And the person making fun of him for not reaching whatever the end goal was, uh, he realized that that person never even gave themselves the opportunity to achieve it in the first place. You know, at least he knows mm. it's not for them, it's not for him, you know, because he went and did the effort and it didn't manifest for him. But this person never even gave themselves the opportunity. They never even had the chance to lose because they were a coward. And right. that's, that's kind of something I've always thought about whenever I've been in a spot where, you know, I was worried about failure or, you know, what people might say. Whatever I lose in your work, podcasting, whatever it is, they never even had in the first place. Mm. And that's so true, man. And a lot of times, you know, we... We, we have to think about that, right? When you're listening to someone, ask yourself, have they done it? You know, how are they, you know, how do they have a right to even say anything? Because chances are the people you're listening to, they have not done it themselves. They have not went out there and tried and went for something themselves, right? right? So you also have to make sure like the people you're surrounding yourself, the people who whose opinion actually matters to you, you have to make sure those people are people you should be listening to in the first place. And I think that I love what you said there. I think that that kind of ties into that, right? A lot of times we get defeated uh, and deflated by what someone else is saying. But really, your heart should speak louder. If your heart wants to try it, go for it, right? At least you can say, I went for it and I gave it. I gave it a chance. And I'm not just saying, like, go out there and give it the college try, you know, half-assing. I'm talking about actually go for it. Actually put the effort in it takes to succeed. You know, I started a, a YouTube channel uh, a, a few months back, probably like four months now. And I don't get that many views. But guess what? 
I'm going to keep going because my heart said I should do this, right? My heart said I should put this out there. And I'm enjoying the process of making the videos, editing. I'm not the best, right? But I don't care. I don't care what people say. You know, people might watch it and be like, oh, this, this editing sucks, you know? But guess what? <laughs> I don't care because I'm putting it out there. I'm putting in the effort, right? To do what my heart told me to do. What I, was, what I feel is my purpose. What I feel I'm going to enjoy for now. And that's what I think a lot of people need to just, just start living, right? Live. That's why I named my company Live Not Low, because I want people to just start living, not just be alive, not just breathing, you know, actually going out there and doing things and get that joy back in your life, you know, get that, get that understanding, get that curiosity, be a kid in your life, you know, learn, grow, have some fun, do all those things. I think it's so important because a lot of us just going through checking off boxes in our life. You know, hitting some goals that don't even mean anything to us anymore. We forgot why we even wanted those goals in the first place. They're just false objectives because they don't matter anymore. They don't align with our values. So people, the listeners, go out there, realize life is short and you need to bring back the joy if you don't have any. Find out what that means for you. Find out what success is and find out what your values are so you can actually live, not loathe. That was beautiful. I like that, man. And Thank pretty much what you. it sounds like you're telling them is just to, to live freely and live authentically. Yeah. What it is that works yes. for you and do it freely without any, any fear of judgment, failure, anything else, because really at, yes. the end, at the end of the day, what would be the point in living if you don't do those things? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the problem today. Like no one, you know, a lot of people don't know the point of living. Um, and that's why we have, such high, you know, issues with self-esteem, have high suicide rates, we have high mental illness rates because that point of living is a myth. And as humans, we search for understanding. And if you don't have the understanding for yourself, you're gonna be chasing someone else's understanding and it's not going to make sense for you. So you have to find your own, find your own meaning. Do you feel like your development as a leader, as you started to get more proficient in that type of stuff, led to you eventually living a more free and authentic life? Uh, oh, 100%. 100%. And, you know, like, I think being a leader or being, um, even being even being someone, like, under someone who, who's a great leader, you know, I think that it kind of gives you, it, it, it helps you find that path, you know? And I think that, that I, was, I was really grateful for that being open to me, you know, my eyes being open to the seeing, you know, just learning, like, as I train people, or as someone trained me or something like that, just that path just became a little clearer every step. You know, I think that hopefully everyone gets that. I'm sure you probably can relate to something like that as well. Yeah, I would say so. Like doing the leadership development back when I was in college, uh, those skills that you learn and pretty much having to implement them, it kind of gets you out of your comfort zone in a way. It makes it to where you get more comfortable being in a spot to where you can be scrutinized or, you know, mm -hmm. people can, can pinpoint little stuff about you because you can't pay attention to everything. And so one thing I'll say right. is that from taking, taking charge in those different areas and being forced to be a leader, it got to the point where I developed thicker skin and became more comfortable with myself, which eventually led to me being able to live more, more authentically where I could get criticism here or there. And I wouldn't take it personally. I wouldn't feel like it was an attack on who I was you know, most of the time it was subjective anyway. And I would say, okay, it's just their opinion. Right. But I would, I'll definitely say that as I worked consciously to develop myself into a, a better leader, it definitely correlated with me being able to live more freely and live more authentically just because of the, the confidence and knowing that from the results that you see, because, you know, it doesn't lie whenever you're in charge of other people, who you are and like uh, how far you are in your development, it's going to show and how those people respond to you. 100%, 100%. Um, and I think that one, one of the keys you said was listening when someone gave you criticism, you listen, but you found the jewels in it, right? Some of the things you're like, ah, that's crap, but you were willing to listen so you can get the, the jewels and apply it as, as you saw fit. Um, and that's probably why you were able to take the leadership skills and live more authentically and freely because you didn't care about everything they said, you cared about what really, really mattered and what really was relevant. 
right? What wasn't the subjective pieces that you could really apply to life? Um, and that's what a lot of people don't hear, right? They, they hear someone talking about them or they hear the negatives and they're like, ah, tune it out. I think the active listening piece is something that a lot of us is miss, are missing these days. And I think that if people really listen for understanding instead of listening to respond, they will catch those jewels too and they'll be a lot further along when it comes to living like freely and authentically. That's a tough skill to learn. <laughs> it is. You know, it is. It's a, it's a it tough is. skill. I've even <laughs> oh, had to is. work on honing that while I've done this. But yeah, you're right. If we could um, listen to understand instead of uh, always listening to respond, it would definitely help because I'll say getting into that habit of maybe not always trying to say, oh, why, why I think this criticism or feedback is, is wrong on their part. Right. Me just getting into the habit of listening made it to where I could ask myself, why did they say this? Yep. Even though I may not necessarily think it's true, I wanted to know why that came to mind and why it was something that they felt the need to say to me and getting past my ego of having to let them know that they're that they're wrong or whatever, just being able to yes. sit with it. That was a process, too. But right. uh, I would definitely say that that was one of the more valuable skills that I was able to learn, being able to take something that somebody says and not feel the need to prove myself or whatever in that moment, but to take it and actually try and empathize, put myself in their shoes and, and try and look at it from their lens and say, mm. oh, what was it about this experience where even whether I agree with it or not, uh, can make them see this flaw in, in my leadership. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, you know, personal, personal development is lifelong learning, right? <laughs> so yeah. we're always going to be trying to get better at it, you know, it's just, but the, the key is we're actually going for it. Like we're actually putting in the work, putting in the effort, right? And you've seen, uh, we've both seen the benefits of that. Just putting in effort. You don't know exactly how to do everything, but we just go out there and do what we think is best. And it's been paying dividends. Yeah, definitely. I'll say that if it had been for the personal development that I started doing when I was in college, I definitely wouldn't be in the career I'm in today or have a podcast and I probably have a, a much more stressful life. <laughs> so. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> grateful for it. <laughs> Indeed. Same here, bro. Same here, man. Yeah, well, that pretty much wraps everything up. And so just to give the audience some information about you, if they'd like to find you, uh, where could they go if they want to find more information? And also, if they like to uh, find your book. Sure. So if you want to connect with me, I'm on social media, on platforms at Live Not Load. That's L-I-V-E-N-O-T-L-O-A-T-H-E. My website is livenotloathe.com slash own your kingdom. And then you can get the book pre-order. It's available for pre-order probably for a couple more weeks. It's on its way out. By the time the podcast is released, it might actually be on the bookshelf. But uh, you can get that at ownyourkingdom.com. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on to the show, Javon. I think we offered a lot of value to the listeners. And hey, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Kamani. Same here. Keep doing what you're doing, King. I appreciate everything you're putting out. And I, I can't wait to go back and listen to all the other episodes and the ones coming out, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right, yeah. then take care. All right, take care, brother.